Hey guys, Dominic Neshi here from Wealthy. On this episode, we have the infamous Daniel Bertie. Pleasure to be here, guys. Um, so Daniel is not a mortgage broker. Not a mortgage broker. No. You, you iterated that on the first time we caught up. He's a financial strategist. And yeah. look, I, I say this because it's critically important for people to understand that there are differences. Out in the market, you will work with many, many people that can go and write you a loan, but that's very different to someone that can actually strategize, work with you, and structurally come up with the right financial instruments, tools, banking institutions that serve your interests and, and needs. The way that many mortgage brokers will try and get into your pocket, into your household is by saying, we're going to get you the best rate. Going and getting the best rate is really not much of a, a skill set. You know, you jump on Connect, you jump on, you know, any other well, you platform. Can go online. You can, you can, it's as simple as a Google search and you can find the best rate. So a strategist, right? The benefit of a strategist opposed to a mortgage broker. Well, a mortgage broker, you go to a broker and say, look, you know, I want to get the best interest rate. I want to refinance. Uh, while I'm at it, I'm going to top up my mortgage to buy a car, for example, right? Whereas a strategist, what they'll do is they'll provide more of an education piece and they'll work closely with your accountant. And what they'll do, for example, is they'll say, look, rather than using, you know, your equity, which is gold, right, to, um, to purchase a car, um, what we'll do is, you know, we'll, we'll use it to purchase an appreciating asset rather than a, than a depreciating asset. So it makes people aware, right, a, a, a strategist makes people aware of the benefits of using equity rather than, you know, purchasing something that's, uh, yeah, depreciates in value so a mortgage broker they ben the benefit of a mortgage broker is simple as this they'll get you a good rate they'll package your loan and they'll find you a great solution and so be it so what what you've just said there is that a mortgage broker will find you a product mm -hmm. that's out in the market yes they'll pull something off the shelf they'll help you just go and get something from the bank well a mortgage broker there the whole purpose of a mortgage broker really is to basically find a solution um, based on your scenario and identify what's important to you in a loan and they'll structure your loan to, um, I suppose, benefit you, right? So they'll, they'll ask questions such as, do you need an offset account, do you need a redraw facility, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, a mortgage broker, it's, it's very basic in terms of, um, Entry level sort of yeah, fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas a strategist will actually educate you on how you can build wealth and build a sustainable lifestyle at retirement um, rather than just an interest rate. Does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And the reason why is because I've worked with you, I've heard you talk about the way that you structure funding and I've worked with financial strategists like yourself in the past. Um, to a lot of you out there that are listening, watching, you... Some of you have got properties, you've got your own home and you're thinking about going and buying a, a property investment and there are many, many ways that you can structure your debt to go and buy this property, right? When you are working with someone that has their own home and they're looking to go and buy a property, there are different ways that you may suggest structuring their debt. Of course, yeah. Okay. Um, can you sort of shed some light on one way that may make sense? Well, to purchase their first home. 
to purchase their first investment. Oh, sorry, investment. Yeah, they, okay. they own their own home. They've got some equity. Oh, They're thinking right, about right, buying right, an investment. Right, right, right. Okay, so the way that I'll look at it is I'd say, okay, well, the traditional way and the way that most banks will actually structure the loan is I'll say, okay, we've got equity in your current own occupied property. We're going to use the equity, cross-collateralize, and purchase the uh, and borrow 100% against the investment plus costs. Cross collateralize? Mm. What does that mean? So, cross collateralize, what that means is they're going to use your property as security to purchase the other. So, for example, if your property is worth a million dollars, right, and you have equity of 500,000, then what they'll do is they'll say, okay, you know, um, you're purchasing another property of a million dollars, total value is two million, okay. Um, and the loan amount is 1.5. Yep. Okay. So they're using both properties as security against the, the both both of the loans. The, the well, yeah, the own occupied and the investment. Total asset, total, total debt. Correct. So it's it's tied in together. Yeah. Okay. So the way that a good finance strategist would structure it is they'll say, okay, rather than using um, the own occupied as security and cross collateralizing is they'll say, okay, what's the purchase price of the investment property? It's a million dollars. So 20% of a million dollars is 200,000. What they'll do is they'll say, all right, you've got 500,000 owing on your own occupied. Let's top up your own occupied mortgage by 200,000 plus costs such as stamp duty, solicitor fees, government fees. And we'll use that as a cash deposit towards the investment purchase. What that does is that means that you won't be cross-collateralizing your property. So you'll have your 500,000 plus another split of 200,000 plus costs. So let's just say 260. And then you'll have a new loan of 800,000 and a million dollar property. So they're both separate, but you've actually, you've actually uh, obtained the 20% from the bank in cash to contribute towards the next purchase. So let me, let, me, let me unpack that the way I'm understanding it. So you've got mm. your own home, You've got five hundred thousand dollars in equity. Yep. What you're doing is pulling out two hundred and sixty thousand, so twenty percent plus costs, yep. as uh, available cash. Mm-hmm. So now the the loan amount on your 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 own home is going up. Will increase. Yes. Will increase by the two hundred and sixty k. But remember the five hundred thousand, and this is me just going off a purchase price of a million bucks. Yeah. Right? yeah. So to say that you've got enough equity. Yeah. So the loan amount of 500000 that you have at the moment isn't tax deductible, right? So you have that on its own and we create a new split of 200000 plus yep. costs. That loan becomes tax deductible. Yeah. Okay. Then the 80% lend against the new investment purchase is also tax deductible. So essentially you're borrowing 100% plus costs and, it's, and both loans are tax deductible. So you've got what you've done is you siloed the two different debts. You're keeping your own home debt as as low as possible. Mm -hmm. You're pulling out some cash, creating a new debt facility and then buying a new property, which will then be its own set of gearing. Correct. But that's effectively 100% geared plus costs. Correct. And all of that debt now is fully tax deductible. That's right. That's right. And then what we'll also do is we'll organise an offset account against your non-tax deductible debt, which is your own occupied mortgage of 500. And the rent that you receive from the investment property will be deposited into your offset account that's linked to your own occupied mortgage, which then reduces the interest that's charged on the own occupied mortgage. 
So you're trying to create a facility for the homeowner to constantly pay down or lower the principal component of their own home. Correct. So we're getting pretty technical here and Daniel's being very courteous. He's sharing a lot of information. He's making it seem like it's easy. <laughs> yeah. It There's isn't. There's more to it. There's actually more to it in terms of the structure. You know, we go as far as making some of the owner-occupied debt interest only and all that kind of stuff. But it all depends on the goal of, uh, well, yeah, the strategy of each person's, you know, e every person has a different strategy. So it's, it's always tailored. All right, so there is more to it, but this is sort of the basics. Yeah, we're using it as an anecdote, an example of how there are differences between going and getting a, a, a rate versus going creating a structure and creating a, a strategy for hitting your goals. So a lot of the things that Daniel just uh, described there may not come with the best rate. The reason being is because we've got to um, we've got to create two different, uh, two different loan facilities. You've got to create an offset account. And every time you cut up this loan and try and do something different, there may be a fee. There may be a, um, a, a new rate that's associated to it because of the different levels of risk. There are different ways to structure your debt that may cost a little bit more, but it gives you a bit more flexibility. It gives you... Um, another way for you to go and attack your financial dreams. Am I correct in saying 100%, 100%. that? 100%, 100%. Yeah. yeah, so that's the big difference between a mortgage broker and a financial strategist, really. Yeah, yeah, well, like, I mean, yeah. It, it, mortgage broker would just offer you the best rate, best structure, they'll do the right thing by you, where they should be, and they'll offer a great solution. But if you want more than that, a strategist is the way to go. They'll educate you on why you should be, you know, purchasing properties to build wealth and or why you you know shouldn't be purchasing depreciating assets using equity things like that a normal mortgage broker would just say yeah no worries mate i'll do your, your mortgage i'll get you the best rate we'll top up the mortgage and give you the car no problem but really what we should be doing and what most brokers should be doing is educating the client to say look you've got great equity here you've built that you've you know it's time to put good use to it and, and actually build portfolio and, and wealth for yeah. So does that mean that in your role you're saying no to people as well? Well, it's not that I'm saying no. At the end of the day, I will offer that service and I will, you know, mention it to them. So I provide the education, right? If they say to me, look, Daniel, no, mate, I just I just want a better rate, I just want to refinance, then so be it. I'll never say no, but I'll always offer the education so that way they're aware, right? Because a lot of people aren't aware of how they can uh, use equity and how they should structure their loans to um, purchase property. A lot of people think they need to come up with cash, which is, yeah, very common. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say no. no. Okay. Um, well, thanks for being so open and candid and talking about the different financial strategies. Um, whilst we're talking about some strategies, I want to I want to chat about first home buyers or, you know, uh, first time investors that may be using first home buyers grants. Now, a common question that we often receive from our um, clients is, you know, how much do I need to get started? Mm. And I'll say, you know, it can be 20%, it can be 10%, it can sure. be five, it can be zero. Mm -hmm. And it, it does come down to your circumstances, your family. Uh, there's a number of different ways that you can enter the market, especially with government grants. I won't go too deep in that right now. 
but can you have a chat about uh, can you give us a little bit of an idea around minimum. yeah the minimum mm-hmm. what's the what's the entry the lowest entry amount well for look if you don't own a property or if you don't have equity in a property um i would say you would need at least 10 to 12 percent right deposit and the reason being is because if you if look there are lenders that will offer you know 95 percent lend on investment but the rate isn't as great okay it's, you're going to be paying quite a high premium um also in addition to that you'll be paying a high lenders mortgage insurance charge right which is a short for lmi for sure so in order to get a good rate i would say you would want at least 10 to 12 percent um but also um yeah I, I, look you you, you want to have 10 to 12 percent and the reason being is because 10 percent will go towards the purchase all right 12 mm-hmm. percent will cover your lenders mortgage insurance lenders at the moment most lenders will only lend up to 90 percent inclusive of lending lenders mortgage insurance so what that means is they'll go 88 percent lend plus lenders mortgage insurance bringing it to 90. so give or take 12 percent or 13. yeah okay and if if someone's a bit more fortunate and they've got family with property with you know a little bit of uh you know financial security and they haven't got much of a deposit yeah will banks lend to them and what does that look like definitely so we've got lenders on our panel that will lend up to 100 percent plus costs if you've got a guarantor so if you've got mum or dad they've got you know a bit of equity and they're happy to help you out um you're able to um yeah borrow 100 percent. so basically what will happen is 20 percent will be secured against their property um, and then um, 80% will be secured against your property. So, and you can borrow costs as well. So 20% plus costs against theirs and 80% against yours. Um, What's the risk there? The risk, well, there's no real risk for you as the consumer, as, as the purchaser. The, the risk to the guarantor will, look, the only risk that the guarantor would have is if you didn't pay your mortgage um, and you know the bank took legal action and had to repossess the property. So basically, you know, you can get your mum and dad to be guarantor on your loan. Yeah. They're going to put up one of their properties to go, uh, to, to let, like, to, to protect their interests. Yeah. The bank's going to protect their interests. So if you don't pay your bills, you don't pay your mortgage, and they'll come after your mum and dad for their home. Basically, well, we, yeah, look, we do limited guarantees. So again, we only secure 20% of your purchase against your parents property so we will never secure a hundred percent when you secure a hundred percent there's more risk to the guarantor and you know again that's the difference from a strategist or going to a, a you know a, a bank directly a bank directly chances are they'll write a hundred percent um you know um secured by the parents property um but uh yeah if you speak to a good mortgage broker strategist um that will secure only 20% limited guarantee against your parents' property. And then how do we remove the guarantee later? Can well, we, is, what's, what's the process? Well, look, if you pay interest only, you're not paying down the balance, okay? Now, the benefit of interest only is that, you know, the interest component is tax deductible. If you're paying principal and, and interest on the mortgage, um, the principal portion isn't tax deductible. So what we find is a lot of investors don't pay P&I, which is principal and interest. So when you're purchasing an investment property using a guarantor as interest only you're really relying on the property to gain right. value right so you build equity in the property now based on the current market in the last you know 
well, not the current market, based on the last 10 years, right, property prices have been increasing. So removing a guarantor has been quite quick. You've been able to do it within five years. So you need the property to basically get up to that sort of 20%, 80% threshold before correct, you can remove it. Correct. So you want to build at least 80%, sorry, you want to build at least 20% equity. Equity. So the amount that they're guaranteeing, you want to build that amount so that way you can refinance at 80%. So that way you steer away from lenders mortgage insurance as well. So I'll, I'll quickly just touch on that. So you, you only charge lenders mortgage insurance if you borrow more than 80% of the property value. Some lenders allow you to go up to 85, and there are even some lenders at the moment that allow you to go up to 90. Now, you want to steer away from lenders mortgage insurance because it's dead money. And lenders mortgage insurance, what it does is it insures the bank in the event that you default your mortgage and that you need to repossess the house. If they repossess the house and sell your property at a loss, then they're covered by Genworth or QBE, the lenders mortgage insurer. So we all know that chances are you're going to maintain your monthly repayments, you're going to stick to them. So when you're being charged lenders mortgage insurance, which is added to your loan, not only do you have to pay that off, you also charge interest on that. So it's dead money. So if you can steer away from lenders mortgage insurance, highly recommend it. But it is all tax deductible, right? Look, if it is an investment, yes, it is tax deductible because it's at, it's part of your mortgage, right, and your loan. Um, so the interest component is tax deductible. Okay. Cool. Um, so yeah. Awesome. So for first home buyers, don't have a deposit. You can mum and dad can help you. The yes. ones that are saving and trying to gear into a deposit, ten to twelve percent is what Daniel's saying is what you need to get in. Yeah. Um, also, tell me real quick for first home buyers. Yeah. All right. There's first home loan deposit scheme that the government has uh, brought out. What does that mean? So first home loan deposit scheme, you only need a five percent deposit, and the government will go as guarantor, just like mum and dad. And um, the only downside is that you can't purchase an investment property and you can't buy it as a first homeowner, owner-occupied and rent it out whilst the government is a guarantor. So if you don't have a great deposit and uh, you apply for the first home loan deposit scheme, you only need a 5% deposit and it needs to be classified as genuine savings. So you need to have it in your account for at least three months. So not only do you have the first home loan deposit scheme from the government, right, going as guarantor, you have your parents to go as guarantor, um, and uh, if you have another property, you can use that as equity. But if you're a first-time buyer, it doesn't matter. Okay, so with the f- so so the the, the government uh, guarantor facility is the same as you you know mum and dad. Once you get up to eighty percent LVR, you can remove them as a guarantor, and then yes. you can move out of that property, turn into an investment. Correct. Cool. Correct. Cool. 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 Okay, we've spoken a lot about strategies, way that you can enter the market, different ways that differences between a mortgage broker and a strategist, and you know you know trying to get the lowest interest rate isn't the most important. Um, can we have a little bit of a chat about what's actually happening in the market, things that you're seeing that are changing? One of the topics I'm really interested in is uh, the changes in responsible lending and what yeah. that might mean. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so responsible lending. That was brought out in 2007 by the Blood government and it happened after the GFC. And what it does is it, hold the, it holds the banks accountable um, and ensures that they um, are responsible in their lending. Now, what, when that was brought out, um, what we found is that banks started tightening up their policies, which made it harder for borrowers to actually access credit. So basically what, because of COVID, uh, basically what the treasurer has done is he's scrapped 100 pages of NCCP, which is responsible lending. 
And what that's going to do is it's going to free up the flow of credit. And the way that that's going to happen is the banks now aren't going to be held responsible for, you know, people, you know, not paying their mortgage. Because what was happening is the bank would uh, scrutinise applications and say, okay, you know, we want to see your living expenses. Um, We can see that you're, you know, eating Uber Eats three times a week, right? And they'll go, your living expenses are quite high, your borrowing capacity is now less, okay? Um, Now, if they didn't do that correctly and they didn't scrutinise the living expenses, for example, or, you know, their income correctly and et cetera, um, and make sure that they can actually afford the loan, the bank was held responsible, right? Mm. So really you could just take the bank to court and probably win the case, right? So what you just said there is if the bank, so the bank was responsible to you and how much debt you can go and get. Basically. So you could go and apply and then if you defaulted, the bank was like deemed irresponsible for giving you the money. Well, yeah, you could, look, if you had a good case, right, to say, oh, look, no, you didn't look at my expenses correctly, really, you you could win the case and, you know, but look, at the end of the day, we're all adults, right? So, you know, you know if you can afford a loan or not. not Hopefully. Well. We're the strategists. it's, It's not, yeah. But you, it's not that you don't know if you can, you know that you can afford a loan or not. It's more so like if you have the responsibility of a mortgage, right? Well, then cut down on Uber Eats. Stop getting on the piss. You know yeah. what I mean? And just know that, all right, I'm an adult. I've got responsibilities. You know, I, I've got to maintain my mortgage repayments. So it's an interesting topic. Sorry to interrupt you there because yeah. people actually change their behaviors to match their circumstance. Correct. And that's what the responsible lending doesn't really factor. Exactly. So right now, basically what the Treasury is saying is they're saying, look, rather than banks being held responsible, we're now moving to a borrower being responsible type of model. But in saying this, look, banks are still going to be held accountable to, you know, make sure that their policies and procedures are, you know... Rigorous and they've got to look, check the statements. They're not just going to go and give you, you know, 10 million bucks, you know, and, and not look into your financial position. Um, but what they're going to do is they'll probably, you know, they won't ask for a breakdown of living expenses, for example. You know, this is just my opinion. I don't know. The granularity, yeah. Yeah, it hasn't, nothing's been changed yet, but I reckon, you know, what we'll find is that rather than going, okay, what's your transport uh, expense? What's your grocery expense? What's your uh, insurance expense? They'll say, okay, what's your, give us, give, break it down to us. Let us know real quick what your total monthly living expenses are. If that's what you declare that they are, then so be it, right? Yeah. Um, so what we'll find, right, after responsible lending, once once th- these changes are made, uh, what we'll probably find is that borrowing capacity it will probably increase, I reckon, by about 50,000 on average, 50 to 100,000, depending on the applicant. So every scenario, every uh, person's position is different. That's pretty cool. So with responsible lending laws potentially being thrown out or being changed in March, we're looking at buyers having more potential or more potential buying capacity. Definitely. So it's just another stimulus to demand really pushing the property market. And are you seeing any other new products or any other sort of stimulus in that lending landscape because all the banks are sort of pushing one agenda or another? Is there anything, um, any new facilities? Is there any new ways that clients can go and lend money or? Yeah, look, I mean, interest rates, at the, if, if we're talking about interest rates real quick, I mean, there's interest rates as low as, you know, 1.89 fixed for an occupied wow. investment. I've got a client 2.29 
interest only for three years fixed. 2.29 interest only three years. Yeah, look, there's a lot of terms and conditions. So let me just put a quick disclaimer out there, right? Everything that we're talking is general and it's your everyone's position is different okay and also you know there's a lot of conditions and if you want to know more you can always contact us right yeah but um daniel specifically yes not me i'm not bertie financial yeah um so yeah look we've we've been able to get some really good interest rates at the moment um fixed rates are lower than variable so that does uh you know show us what the banks are sort of thinking um you know variable at the moment for own occupied you're looking around 2.5 um, investment, you know, you, you, there's always about 0.3 um, of a difference. And, and when I say it of a difference, it's always 0.3 higher than own-occupied rates for investment. That's very low. Yeah, yeah, you can get you can get investment. Well, this is P&I. Uh, interest only, you'll be looking at a little bit more of a premium as well. So we're, we're certainly talking all sub-threes. Mm, yeah, you can get sub-threes for sure for, for, for investment, definitely. Okay, so if you're out there, you've got a, uh, you know, some kind of loan against any of your properties. Y- if you haven't already, I'd be freaking surprised, but go and check your, how much you're paying at the banks. Um, go and chat to a mortgage broker or even do something as simple as just talk to your bank. I think clients don't actually understand this. Like if you can't be bothered by doing all the mortgage applications and whatever else, you can just call your bank and say, hey, I'm paying too much. Can you re- review it if you're on a, a variable interest rate? Well, look, uh, what I would recommend is actually have, if you do have a broker or even if you don't have a broker, speak to a broker and uh, or your broker and say, look, you know, I've, I've noticed that my interest rate seems a little bit high. Your broker will be more than happy to contact the bank on your behalf while you sit at home watching TV, reading a book, having a tea, right? They'll contact your bank on your behalf and negotiate the rate for you free of charge. And if they can't, if the, if the bank isn't willing to come to the table, then the broker will say, okay, broker will say yeah okay look there's other options available on the market yep. you know let's look at refinancing because your current bank isn't offering anything you know and i thought it would quickly mention you know since you asked about any new products or any kind of promos or whatever at the moment banks are actually paying um cashback rebates to win your business so if you uh don't have a, a great rate at the moment um and you're interested in refinancing to another lender um, you know, you've got St. George, for example, offering $4,000 cash back to win your business. Mm. Um, and the great thing for investors is that um, St. George will actually pay $4,000 for your first property. Uh, and if you have, you know, say two investment properties, they'll also pay another $2,000 each. So a total of $8,000 to win your business per property. So the banks are fighting that for your business, they're going to give you some cash back. So it's yes. well worth your time and effort to have a look at what is available out there to you. Daniel, mate, thanks for coming on the show, having a big chat. There's, um, I would like to hear more from you because today we only really spoke about one quick strategy. It'd be good in the future to talk about some more specific stuff. Um, any of you that are out there that want to talk to Daniel, reach out to us, Daniel, directly. Um, I hope you got some value out of the show. If you've got any questions, leave them in the comments, you know, send us a, a, a Twitter, a, a, a TikTok or whatever. We're on every single platform there Slide is. Slide in the DMs, it's fine. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll listen to you. And um, yeah, I hope to hear from you all soon. Thank you so much, beautiful humans.